What is going on, guys? Matt Downs from Daily Grind Fantasy Sports to break down this MMA slate with Kevin yet again. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? Doing great. Um, before I get right into this MMA slate, I know we have a ton to talk about and a lot to recap, first of all. I want to mention to you guys our Patreon um, subscription is $20 a month. We cover absolutely everything there is under the sun DFS-wise on DraftKings. Uh, we're covering CSGO. We're covering League of Legends. We are covering uh, MLB. We are covering NBA. Also, all of our free videos are covered um, on our YouTube, if you guys want to give that a watch, also strategy videos I've been putting out recently for Fantasy Cruncher for anything DFS you guys have questions about, feel free to um, give our channel a watch. Everything, literally everything under the sun. So, again, $20 a month gets you access to our favorite leverage spots. If you guys don't know what leverage is, again, give our, our other videos a watch. But real quick, it helps differentiate yourself against the field. Our favorite spots are put out every Saturday morning for MMA. Again, ownerships do change throughout the day, throughout the entire weekend. And we be sure that we are sure to update that throughout the entire weekend. So, um, Kevin. I'm going to go ahead and pass this over to you. Let's go ahead and just start out by recapping what was a crazy, crazy card last weekend. If you don't want to break it down, I completely understand. If you're still mad and want to run through a wall, I completely understand. But go ahead and just take it away. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's this this killed me. I mean, this fight was this fight card was just wild. I mean, it was maybe the most wild fight card I've ever seen, especially when considering it followed up a 15-fight card uh, slate from the previous week. So... It was crazy. There were so many changes right before the fight started. And even when they did, it was the first fight cancellation after the card started that, if I've seen it, it's been a very, very long time. I can't remember the last time. Um, so it was, it was absolutely crazy for that to happen. Um, we did actually pretty well, but had a lot of Holland, so that hurt us. Um, he was one of the ones who uh, he was fighting Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles basically fainted fight was canceled and Holland was our most our second most expensive guy so that obviously hurt us a ton um had a lot of him so but as we talked about Matt last week I mean this is just crazy the optimal lineup uh yeah it was $47,000 yeah, $47,000 exactly I was just gonna say that it's it's crazy I mean that is wild that is the most volatile card I've probably ever seen which is interesting as it was such a uh I'd expect that the week prior with 15 fights, not mm -hmm. not nine or eight or whatever it came down to. You know, you'd think that would be a little more predictable. Right. Uh, it was crazy. But anyway, right off the rip, faded the first fight, and which was great because in a short slate like this, you got to make the right choices. And uh, that was good because that actually ended in a draw. So that was an awesome fade. Um, no win bonuses there. We made the pivot to uh, Jamal Emmers after the opponent change, and I was talking him all up in the Discord and the uh, Patreon and as the top pick, pick him all day, and he crushed it, made the optimal lineup at 7,800, so that was great. Uh, Munoz versus Maness was awful. I didn't think that uh, with both guys at 7,200 that you wouldn't at least get one hitting a good price point, but uh, it didn't happen, and it was it was just a weird fight. I mean, Munoz got more points than uh, Maness with a loss, so that tells you how, A, bad the judging was, I mean, Maness did nothing, mm -hmm. and for him to get the win was crazy. That was just terrible judging. And B, it, could, it dealt with uh, a lot of those groin shots. Munoz landed like three in a row, and by the third one, I just cringed because I knew he was probably going to get a point deducted, and that's what happened. So uh, 
Yeah, it, it kind of stunk. I mean, I guess at 7,200, they actually hit okay. They were both around like I think 40 or 50 or something, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's like you'd think someone would have done a little better than that. But right. is what it is. Um, I said you wanted a piece of green and Venata, and that was a high-octane fight just like last time. I did probably have about 70% Venata, but I did have some green, so that didn't hurt too bad. Um, it definitely wanted to target that. Vicente Luke was my core player of the week. He snapped and definitely hit his price point. Big, big knockout. He looked awesome. Um, faded the women's fight as it was unpredictable, and that really showed heavy as the underdog uh, Maya submitted Calderwood in the first round. Obviously, wish I had Maya, but didn't load that stud money into Calderwood, so that was nice. Um, main event was all fireworks as predicted. I had Shabazian as a core play, and Brunson as my number one punt. Probably had about 60% Brun uh, Shabazian and 40% Brunson, so wanted Shabazian a little more, but I mean. Brunson, we liked him as a punt. He was my number one punt, as I said, and it, it didn't hurt us too much because he, he he absolutely smoked. And and Shabazian was heavily owned, so um, but Brunson looked awesome. It's funny, I still feel like we had an awesome night in most yeah. of the contests. In like in every one of my contests, I didn't cash. I was less than five points from cashing, and every single one had Kevin Giles out. <laughs> so it's like absolutely would have crushed it if, if i mean uh sorry not giles uh kevin holland yeah holland out um because of the giles so if, if that fight happened obviously would have been looking pretty good so um gotta gotta definitely think we would have done better in our attorneys and absolutely cashed uh in every contest but speaking of attorneys this is a gpp card like i uh i have some core picks in this in the sense i like it the more i mean you know me since the beginning of us doing this MMA thing, I love cash games. I just think it's free money if you know what you're doing. But honestly, there have not been a lot of good cards to target cash games lately. I mean, especially with just the amount of fight nights they're pumping out, bringing in new guys. I mean, it hasn't been your traditional UFC cards. There's not as many consistent guys, as many names. So it's definitely, I mean, that's why I've been crushing tourneys. Go check the Patreon. We have so many people taking down tourneys and, and, and crushing tourneys. So... This is uh this is what we want to keep doing right now. Honestly, maybe next week changes a little bit with a little more chalk, but keep the tourneys running for this week. The the way to become successful in DFS is obviously assume the worst in every single sport. I mean, literally last weekend we saw one of the most volatile MMA cards of all time. And if you played MME and if if you took chances and if you took those leverage spots, you would have made thousands. You would have made hundreds of thousands because the optimal lineup was 47,000. I guarantee you not a single person had the optimal lineup. I, I can almost guarantee yeah. you. Okay. We saw yesterday with MLB, the lowest implied totals for each team put up 12 and 13 runs. It happens. It's sports, guys. The fish, the people who choose the, the most, the, I guess, the most uh, highly possible um, thing that could happen on each given slate they won't make money in the long run. It just won't happen that way. The way to become successful in DFS is play the contrarian way and continue to play the contrarian way. And you will always find success if you do that day in and day out. Because guess what? When an MMA card like last weekend happens, you will come out winning hundreds of thousands of dollars. You just will. And that's more than enough to make success in the, in the long run. So anyway, if you guys are interested, Patreon, $20 a month. And even if you don't want to find success with the leverage spots, come in and chat with us for $20. $20 a month. We talk DFS for every single sport all day, every day. You get to talk to Kevin. I mean, that's $20 in itself right there. That's enough value. <laughs> I see I see value in, in that just in itself. So let's go ahead and finally dive right into the slate. 12 fights. I asked Kevin. I did like the SpongeBob caveman emoji. Like I had to sit there with my hands out. Like, hey, is there anything going on in this slate? Like, 
No, uh, there <laughs> finally isn't anything going on. Um, there was a late swap between two fighters. We'll talk. We'll we'll touch base on that in just a second. But we'll start from the top, Kevin. Twelve fights. You want to go ahead and take it away? Yeah, I just want to add one more thing to that. I just sure. want to say that uh, I think MMA is probably, in my opinion, I mean, I'm biased, but I also think it's the best sport to target upsets and things like that, too, because the optimal lineup in MMA is very doable. There's only so many combinations of things that can happen. Sure. This isn't a sport like, I mean, I, I love football, and football has so much leverage, and football is, is it's all about knowledge. Yeah, MLB, but like anybody on any given Sunday, you could have a backup running back get three siphon three touchdowns. You know what I mean? And that's going to obviously make the optimal, and you can't predict that. I mean, there's just so many variables and so many possible outcomes. MMA, not so much. So completely agree with like. you there. Um, but yeah, so let's move on to the card. Um, first fight on the card is Erwin Rivera um, and Ali Alcasi. Um, this fight, this card has a lot of uh, good options, especially at the higher price range. So I just don't think this is a fight I want to target right off the rip. Like I said, this is a good tournament card. Um, I personally have been fading the first fight on the card uh, lately, as it's worked like a charm every time, to be honest. Statistically speaking, there's just more volatility during the first fight on the card, um, or first fight of the night than any others. Um, it just historically and statistically speaking, it just shows up to be true every time. Not that you can't make money off it, but it does seem to happen. Um, I'm also not sold at all on Erwin Rivera for 8,900. We we watched him fight Giga Chikadze a couple months ago, and the only thing I really learned about him is that he's good at taking a beating. I mean, he's a tough guy, but he got the crap kicked out of him, and uh, and I guess there's something to be said for that because he kept on trucking. But other than that, he got exposed the entire time on his feet, got picked apart, saw no signs of a ground game yet, and uh, I'm just not sold for 8,900, especially with like a lower finish chance on this one. Um, Ali is a decent grappler, but hasn't really beaten anybody worth mentioning heading into the UFC. He doesn't really seem deadly on his feet. I don't think he's too dangerous there. So if you wanted to bank on that and take Rivera, hoping that he can just kind of maul him on his feet, like I said, Rivera's tough. He did show that. So at least makes a little sense to me. But if you ask me, I'm going to fade it. And the ownership does reflect that 16.2% and 17.6%, which is lower than the average uh, ownership on any one of these fights. So I can completely agree with you there. Yeah, perfect. Um, so, yeah. Uh, moving on, we have uh, Yusef Salal versus Peter Barrett. Uh, I was just talking to you, Matt. Peter Peter Barrett lives like two towns from me. He's a local guy. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I've ever trained with him or cross-trained. He was a different gym than I when I used to train. But uh, he fought a couple buddies of mine, and I've seen him fight many times in person. Um, I just don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's at this level. Um, Peter's a good finisher. He, he does have good finish ability, but... Um, Salal has never been finished, so that's a little <laughs> scary for me. Yeah, that's that's not giving me the most confident that uh, Barrett can put him away. The biggest thing that worries me about Peter is that all of his three losses are all by finish. So Salal mm -hmm. having no finishes in the UFC is a little disheartening too, but before that he was a good finisher. Um, and like I said, Barrett can be finished. And I, and I hate to go against a local guy. I like to see my mask guys shine, but I do like Salal here for his skill. But that is a pretty high price, and uh, I just don't know if he is worth that in my eyes yet. Zalal isn't a super solidified stud yet. Um, this is one of those borderline ones for me where I might end up taking Zalal last minute in a couple lineups because of the skill. I don't think you want a piece of Barrett. I mean, it, he is a finisher. If, if you, that's something you like to hang your hat on at that price, but 
Um, I'm leaning more towards the lull if I'm going to take anybody here. I don't know if you said the finish chance. Is there a finish chance on this fight or not? So it's it's that's the thing too. It's 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 just a, it's tone alliance about minus one ten. Okay, so yeah, it's a fifty fifty shot in my eyes. So we have five point four percent ownership on Barrett. I think that's the lowest on the entire slate. Yes, it is. And yep. Zalal is at thirty four point two. Let me go ahead and sort that real quick. I should have done this while you were talking. Yeah, it's the fourth highest on the card. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, he's one of the higher prices. You got to. Got you gotta expect that, that but at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, I just don't know if, uh, like I said, he could very easily not get the finish. I mean, he's not a super prolific finisher uh, as of late, so um, if he can get back on track, maybe, and like I said, Barrett can be finished, but borderline fadeable, borderline takeable, so... Um, I'm saying cash games, and this is just my stance, probably cash yeah. games take and then GPP fade. I think that's fade. a... a Smart that's, fade there. I like that, especially where there's not a lot of cash games, guys. So if you want to take a lot of cash games, that makes sense to me, 100%. Yeah. Um, I actually like that a lot. Um, moving on, we have Gavin Tucker versus Justin Janes. Um, nobody's sleeping on Justin Janes this time, I'll tell you that. The Guitar Hero, which is uh, also the best nickname ever, by the way. The gu Justin the Guitar Hero Janes. I mean, that's just that's amazing. Cool. Um, it's nerdy as hell, but I love it. Um, he's coming off a huge upset knockout over Frank Camacho. We saw that. Broke a lot of hearts, broke our hearts. Um, so I'm definitely not going to forget Justin Janes now. Um, he was very impressive in his debut, though he does still find himself as an underdog against Gavin Tucker. Uh, Tucker's a good finisher. Carries a 2 and one record in the UFC heading into this fight. Um, we saw Janes has power and isn't afraid to trade, but I do think Tucker is a different animal than Frank Camacho. He's deadly every, everywhere, and he's a good finisher, too. I think this is a solid fight to target on both sides, honestly. Um, James is a very good wrestler. can threaten the takedown. And anybody who can open up, I like when you have a wrestler with good hands because when you can threaten that takedown, it opens up your striking. When you can threaten that striking, it opens up your takedowns. They just work uh, very well synchronized together. Um, you see it in D.C., you see it in all, you know, any, any prolific wrestler um, usually opens up their hands pretty well. Um so Tucker is a proficient uh, finisher, as I mentioned, but keep in mind, both men have never been finished. They're good finishers, but they've both never been finished. So they're tough guys. I mean, that being said, the fight is still expected to end in a finish due to the fact I just said they're both good at it. Um, at a minus 115, though it is close to that 50-50 line, I think this has GPP upside, but uh, I'd probably avoid it in cash. You ready for this? So this, this Kevin, you're gonna get, you're gonna be so surprised on this. And I wanna, I wanna put you on the spot real quick. I just yeah. wanna put you on. We're gonna play a game. All right, it's called guess the percentage. If you had to guess the ownership on Jane's, uh, being a slight underdog at 7,800, he's obviously he is cheaper than Tucker, 8,400. What would you guess his ownership would be? With you saying that, I'm gonna put him at 35. Wow. Okay. So he's at 37 percent owned. Yeah, and I knew I, it. I just had a feeling. Like no, that. yeah, and the way I kind of, I, I kind of um, built that up. Yeah, at 37 yeah. percent ownership, guys. I will tell you right now on my leverage sheet, this Justin Jane's not saying he won't get it done, and not saying he can win, but I can tell you right now, and I'm letting you into some Patreon exclusive content. This guy will be so inflated in ownership, it's going to be unreal. Probably because of the buildup, probably because of everybody's overreaction, like you said, to the last fight. 37% is definitely way too high for a 50-50 matchup. I get it. It saves salary. But for GPPs, if he is that high, this is a 
a definitely a person to avoid because the, if you look, the, yeah, go ahead. Look I was just right, gonna say the thing is he's not even a fifty-fifty. He's a, he's an underdog. Yeah, he's an underdog. So technically, yeah, but it's I mean, crazy. right now I'm looking at an opening of plus one hundred two, which is a forty-nine percent. So I mean, I guess it opened up as a fifty-fifty. Yeah, no, it's close. I'm just saying it's funny that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking right below him, right with Tucker at eighty-four hundred, the the percentage ownership drop is down to twenty percent. So if wow. you want to talk about leverage right there, it's on Tucker, 100%. If you're talking about a make-or-break fight, this is the one to target. We're going to know two fights in whether you're going to be taking down a GPP or not. It's going to be with this Janes or Tucker stance. And what's the finish chance on this? I'm sorry, I missed it again. Um, if there is it's one. minus 115. Minus 115. So even that yep. is like a 50-50 shot. So talk about a GPP fight. This is going to make or break your night. Janes, if, if he can't get the finish and you have him in there, and if, even if he loses, you're screwed. I'm sorry, but half, oh, nearly 37% of the field is going to be screwed. So this is very interesting. Very, very interesting yeah. right off the rip here. This was one of my top GPP plays, and I literally had it verbatim, like you said. I have it written down, make or break. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what this is. This is going to make or break your night. Um, it's one of those. Like I said, there's a lot of good GPP targets in this, um, and that seems to be one. So don't need to be too stingy with them. So. Yeah, it might be a bad target with Janes. If he does lose, I mean, you heard it here first. You're definitely inflated with the ownership. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, moving on, we have Andrew Sanchez versus Wellington Terman. You know, as I mentioned, this fight, this this card has a lot of good fights. I mean, we just saw one, and I think they get pretty good after this one. I'm not sure that if th this one makes that category, though. I mean, Sanchez throws a lot of volume, which is nice to see, but he hasn't gotten a finish in five years, and that was before his UFC days. Um, so Terman has had two UFC fights himself and is one-on-one in the organization with both fights going to decision and his win and his loss, but... I just don't see this fight being a good target. I mean, it has one of the highest uh, non-finish chances on the card or the lowest chance to finish on the card with a plus 180. Um, Wellington might throw some takedowns in here and there, but he's not a, without a finish, he's not a good scorer. So Wellington, is, as the favorite, is just not very attractive to me. He's a better grappler uh, than a striker, and Sanchez has shown holes in that. Sanchez is a better stri uh, striker than a grappler, where Wellington has shown holes, so... It is, it's a little bit of a toss-up, but I'm leaning heavy on fading this one. I mean, it's just it, it just has the decision written all over it, I think. So. All right, yeah, and the ownership reflects a borderline cash GPP option, 27.8%. And Terman and Sanchez, it is a 21.2%. Yeah, so I think you're pretty you're, you're going to be fine leaving that one on the table. Um, but at least in most of your contests, if you want to, like you said, do all the optimal lineups and or all the uh, – possible lineups rather and yeah. try to try to cover all your bases which isn't a bad idea in the sport but um for the bulkier lineups leave them out mm -hmm. um moving on we got nazrat uh hack Parast versus uh alex munoz this is an interesting one honestly i like both guys for their own reason you got a six and oh guy making his debut in munoz versus a vet coming off a brutal knockout loss i mean so uh, yeah, what's his uh, what's Nazrat's ownership looking like? Twenty nine percent, and then Munoz is twelve point two. So if you talk about a pun option with very high upside, low ownership, it looks like Munoz is where you're you're going to be looking. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, I like Nazrat as, uh, as a solid place to put your stud money in GBPs. Um, I was hoping you'd say something like that for his ownership. Mm -hmm. um, I figured he'd carry a little less than some of the top guys. He has real KO potential. Um, and I think that makes him a good GPP option, as he is a little volatile too, though, because um, he just came out with a knockout, uh, came off a knockout loss. And I'm gonna be honest, 
Munoz, not just, I know you don't uh, know so much the fighters, but you're looking at a leverage standpoint um, for like as a punt. And guess what? He's my favorite punt on the card. Not just for leverage reasons, but yeah, he's a stud wrestler, really good wrestler. He's coming out of alpha male and they've been grooming this kid for a while. Like he won the, he won his fight in Dana's contender series. Didn't really get a shot. That's fine. They like they they've been grooming him in alpha male. He he's one of those guys. I think they think could be the next up. Um, I really like Alex Munoz. He's undefeated for a reason. He's got great wrestling. He's just he's going to be a, a matchup nightmare for Nazrat. So I I'm going to have more Munoz than Nazrat. I think just for the price and as as I think he, he really does have a good chance to win. I think this fight's like a 50-50. I could see Nazrat sleeping him. He has great hands. He's got great power. But um, at 7,200, I'm all over Munoz, too. So I think this is a good fight to target on both sides. Vegas is pinning him at a 34% chance to win, which isn't too bad. So uh, if, no, you're, not at all. if you're a believer in Vegas, 34% is still a fighter's chance at 7,200 for sure. Yeah, one one out of three. I mean, yep. you know what I mean? I, like I said, in my mind, that's closer to 50-50. I, I see a very obvious path to victory for him. He's uh, he's one of those sleeper guys. I mean, if you're, if you're close to the sport, even – He's been on your radar for a bit, but I think he's going to shock some people. Uh, or I shouldn't say I think he's going to, but I think he has the potential to. Sure. Um, moving on, we got uh, Kevin Holland back in the mix a week later from last week. Uh, got no ill will towards him. It's not his fault. Trevin Giles <laughs> passed out. Um, I, I like him last week, and I like him even more now. I think he's a really good target for a couple reasons. First off, he's tuned up in fighting shape. He's ready to go. He's ready to fight a week ago. Second, he welcomes a UFC newcomer on very short notice. I mean, that's just a nightmare for Buckley. That is just not what you want to see if you're a Buckley fan. Um, that's just it's a bad situation to find yourself in. And lastly, Buckley is a stand-up fighter strictly. Holland has hands and can stand and trade with anyone. I think he can sleep Buckley. But if he's losing those exchanges, he's also got some good grappling where Buckley doesn't seem to have any ground game. So I think he can take him down and beat him up a lot. Last time Buckley lost, uh, it was actually funny. Who's in Bellator to one of my favorite wrestlers from Minnesota, Logan Storley. Shout out to Logan Storley. He's a really good wrestler, and he, and he just dominated Buckley with his wrestling. Um, so he's shown weakness. Like that, if, like I said, the fight isn't going his way, but I also think it's going to go his way wherever he wants it. I think he's just a better fight. Make his debut on, what, three days' notice. It's going to cut hard on him, and it's just he's not ready for this level I don't think Holland's a good fighter so I think Holland may be a better pick in GPP if the numbers make sense but I mean I he's got he's I think he's the most expensive fighter on the card so that might be hard to find 52.7 percent over half of the field will have him he's the highest on the card by far and Buckley doesn't have ownership put in yet but I can only assume he won't be over five if I had to actually Mm -hmm. guess if if Barrett is up here at 5.4 percent then Buckley won't be over five yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think you put him in the uh, the core category yeah, uh, for at this sure. point. Then. Absolutely. Um, which makes sense, and I like him. I do think – I mean, Buckley has power. He's He's got some hands, so I, I do – that's what, the only reason I like the GBP option a little more. It's like I see a, a potential for Buckley to win, but this has a very high finish chance. So here's the thing. It could end up in the optimal lineup too. So, like, if you wanted to add Holland in a couple GPPs, like, he might be one of the highest scoring guys on the card. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't care. That's the thing. That's what we have to remember. Ownership doesn't mean Jack if he's in the optimal lineup. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, it really doesn't. He's optimal. You want him. I don't care if he's 70% owned. If he's in the top three for scores, you want him in there. You know what I mean? So You want a piece of this fight, regardless of how it goes. 52, yeah. 53% might scare you off a GPP, but... 
it still has the potential to be in the optimal, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, moving on, we got Tim Means versus uh, Lariano Staropoli. Uh, um, this is a tough call in this one, honestly, um, but I think it makes another GPP target right off the rip. Like I said, there's no lack of good targets, and uh, we've been on a roll here, kind of. You know what I mean? And I think it's just going to keep rolling. I'm, I'm, I think just about all the fights from now on make sense in GPP, honestly. Like I said, it's going to be a big tourney card. Um, you're going to want a lot of lineups, a lot of entries, um, as there's, there's going to be some volatility, but... I definitely see a lot of good options. Like I said, that's why you can fade ones like Erwin Rivera versus uh, Alcaisi and um, Sanchez versus Terman. So, but yeah, I think Means and uh, Staropoli make uh, another GPP target. I mean, Tim Means is the main driving force of this fight, okay? He's the reason you want to target this. He is a glass cannon. He's completely unpredictable. He can start you. He can finish you. He can knock you out, ruin your night real quick, and he can be the... In the inverse, he can be the guy staring up at the lights wondering what the hell happened. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. that's that's who you want in GPPs. I mean, sometimes regardless of who they're fighting. Like, you know what I mean? When someone is that capable of finishing someone and getting finished, sometimes it doesn't matter who the other guy is. Um, that being said, uh, Stropoli has decent finishability himself. Um, but, again, it's more so on Tim Means. Um, now, Means traditionally is not a great scorer without the finish. He doesn't throw a ton of volume, so you really are banking on him starching uh, Stropoli if you take him. Stropoli isn't a great scorer either and hasn't had a finish in the UFC yet. But Means may be the one to change that with, like I said, I think he's got seven losses by way of finish. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think um, that's a it makes sense. It's a solid GPP target. Um, pretty close line, pretty close in price, and there is a minus 135 finish chance. It's not my favorite GPP target. It's probably closer to the line of, uh, I don't know, maybe like the like lesser favorite ones, but I do think it's live. So this fight has leverage written all over it because let's just compare it real quick to the Janes-Tucker fight. We're, we're mm -hmm. talking in terms of pricing here. Janes at 7,800 and is a plus 102. And you scroll down here to this fight, and Means is a plus 112, but is also slightly more expensive. So, again, leverage... What's his all ownership? Yeah. Yeah, so, oh, sorry. I, that, yeah, not like I'm excited. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, you're, like, <laughs> you're, like, you're waiting for the punchline yeah, here. Strapoli is 26.6%, uh, and Means is 20.4%. So, again, you're talking about the difference of 17% in ownership just in GPPs right here. Yeah, that's the punchline right there. So we're talking There's about lower ownership on uh, Jane's is seventeen percent. Exactly. So that's why I say you're talking about three potential fighters here who are all within that same price range that could obviously put up way more points than Jane's if he does lose. So um, a lot, a lot of leverage within this mid-tier price range. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I mean, like I said, it's not my favorite circumstantially, or, or sorry, like because the fight. Yeah. But I mean, for for uh, the the way the ownership's lined up, I mean, makes a lot of sense. You're going to want some of that for sure, especially Tim Means, it sounds like. Absolutely. Uh, maybe you take, like, inst like if you were to look at those two fights and you're looking for leverage, maybe take Means and Tucker. You mm. know what I mean? Uh, 100%, uh, yeah. So that makes sense to me. Um, moving on, we got uh, Benel Dariush versus Scott Holtzman. Uh, I'm, I'm actually... It's, it's funny. I like... Benel Darius a lot. Yeah, I'm a fan. I really wanted to take him in this, and I think you still can. Um, 
but the line should be probably closer. I mean, Holtzman's, Holtzman is just a good fighter. I mean, Darius is a good fighter, too. I, like I said, I'm a fan. Um, he, remi- he reminded people last fight with both his words and actions that he, he has hands. I remember he kept saying after, he's like, I got hands, too. I got hands, too. And he did. He uh, got the knockout finish, which a lot of people, I think it was over Car Close, if I remember correctly. And... Um, it's, it's intriguing because most people know him as an elite-level jiu-jitsu guy. I mean, he's, he's a very top-level grappler. Um, so that was nice to see he's got some hands, too. And uh, now Scott Holtzman, like I just said, he's a pretty good fighter himself. Um, I think Holtzman makes an intriguing uh, opponent that could offer Darius some problems. More than, say, a pick for Holtzman, like I take him as a pun, I think he's just more of a, uh, a bump in the road for Darius. But... It could cause him some problems, allowing him not to finish or get his price point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So more so than uh, I want to take Scott. It just makes me a little more uh, leery of uh, Darius. But um, he, he's just hard to finish. We saw that in the Jim Miller fight. He's never, and he's also he's just never been finished his career. Um, he's also a terrible finish, finisher himself. Hence why I'm just reluctant to take any part of him as a punt. Um, but I, I like Darius. I see good finishability. We just saw his knockout. Like I, I just told you how good of a grappler he is. Can absolutely submit anyone, even though Holtzman hasn't been finished. But um, just like I said, just understand Holtzman could give him troubles. I mean, again, for a guy who's coming in, I mean, Darius is good. He He's not a top five fighter in the division. So I'm almost surprised at this line because uh, this might surprise you, Matt, but Holtzman's record inside the UFC is seven and three. Oh well, he's a good fight. Yeah, yeah, he's a good fight. I see that yeah. on my screen now. You had to look over. Yeah, record wise, yeah, yeah. seven and three. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. and I've seen him fight a couple times. He's he's a good talent. So I would leave this one as like Darius uh, is a is a solid pick, but um, I don't know. Maybe make it into my GPPs, but that's about where I'm going to leave that. Like I think he's just a solid pick. You can add him if you want. You can leave him if you want. I do think he's a good fighter. But uh, his competition is a little tougher than I'd like to. Well, here's the stance on the what the public thinks. They are scared of Darius. Um, yep. He is projected at 26% ownership. Holtzman, this is where you're going to be putting your punt money if you are playing, if you're taking that direction in cash. Because at 7100 bucks, Holtzman is at 29.4% ownership, which is by far the highest ownership of any punt. And quite frankly, it's just above the average for any person on the card in general. So I think that makes a lot of sense for Holtzman, um, and and this is what I was kind of thinking, because especially where he's just not a prolific finisher. I'm glad you're saying he's carrying that much ownership because it at least gives me a little more confidence to add Holtzman maybe as a punt mm-hmm. um, in cash game. And it, but obviously, stay. I just I don't have confidence in him finishing. But in cash games, I mean, a win at 7100 is a win. You know what sure. I mean? So and like you said, he's carrying some high ownership. So I do see a road for there. Uh, Darius and, and it makes sense, I guess, to take Darius and um, GPP because that ownership is so low. And, he, and, and like I said, this fight is actually still expected to end in a finish as a minus 125. So more so with obviously Darius being such a heavy favorite, they do think he is going to be the first person to put Holtzman away. As all of our viewers so. know, my favorite word of all time for DFS is leverage. And this card screams it. I will definitely be making all my lamps directly after this video because I'm so excited for this. This is just leverage, 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 GPP, 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 written all over this card. Oh, yeah. I'm excited as well. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, me, like I said, I'm more of a cash games guy. I'm probably just going to be loading up line. I'm going to have fun with this one. Absolutely. Um, next fight, we have uh, Yana Kunitskaya versus uh, Julia Stoliarenko. Um, first impression, 
is even though Julia is making her UFC debut, she's she's nobody's free meal. I think this one has upset all over it. I, I think it's got that potential. Uh, Yana is tough. She's only lost to legit fighters in the UFC, um, those two being Aspen Ladd and Cyborg. But her ground game is not super proficient, and that's where Julia shines. Um, Julia's a brown belt, and she's a deadly one at that. She got eight submissions of her nine wins. I think she's a matchup nightmare for Yana. Uh, that being said, I think Yana is also a matchup nightmare for her. This is a classic striker versus grappler. Um, she's got a distinct advantage on her feet, where Julia has this distinct advantage on the ground. So I see very, both fighters being kind of live here. They're both viable options. Usually, uh, I mean, everyone's uh, all over where uh, Kev always uh, fades the women's fights, but this <laughs> one's going to break the streak a little bit. Um, I think this one has potential. It does have the typical like uh, plus 140 uh, finish chance that most women's fights carry, but that's actually pretty high of a finish chance for most like like literally the last five women's fights we've had yep. have all been over plus 250 yeah so this is actually pretty good um in terms of finishability and uh it's so i do think that this is going to be um a viable option um, what's the ownership looking like so yana is actually sitting at 30.2 percent. so this is a borderline core option it seems and that's compared to the 12 percent of the other fighters so uh, definitely straightforward. It seems like in terms of ownership, um, a 69% chance on Yana right now for winning the fight for uh, at least scoring the Vegas. Mm -hmm. I like, I, like I said, I just see this one ending, ending in a finish. I think, uh, Yana's either going to knock her out or Julia's going to submit her. Um, mm -hmm. so it, it does make sense to me to target this a little bit. Um, if you have to, not my first choice, but if you have to, if you're looking at the prices, you're trying to throw someone else in, you're trying to get some leverage. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, but moving on, we get uh, Naki Patolo versus Darren Stewart. Darren the Dentist Stewart, another fun nickname. Um, I still got a lot of love for Maki Patolo. I mean, if you I don't know if you remember him, Matt, but... I remember I the name, yeah. Yeah, he was one of those ones. I took him as a sub-7,000 punt last time he fought, and I remember we caught so much flack. I think he was fighting Charles Bird, and Charles Bird was like a $9,100 favorite, and I was all over Maki Patolo, and Maki Patolo starched him, and I was just kind of <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank with that one. Um, and now Darren Stewart brings a different flavor uh, than Patolo in his UFC experience. I mean, he's had, like I said, I think it was Patolo's UFC debut um, against Charles Bird. I just didn't have a lot of faith in Charles Bird, to be honest. Stewart has had nine fights in the UFC, though, but he has a dead-even record of 4-4-1, four, four, and one, one being the draw. Um, I think this is another good fight to target. Like I said, there's no lack of tar good targets. I mean, this is a minus-155 finish chance. Um, I think Patolo has a slight advantage in the grappling department. Stewart, a slight advantage on his feet. But uh, I think this fight ends in a finish. I think these guys are going to throw hands. I really do. Well, then you'll like to hear the ownership percentage on both these guys. Stewart at uh i lost my place 28 percent and patolo at 21 percent. so definitely under the radar for both these guys yeah this is this is a volatile fight for sure like i said darren stewart is not like this super talented guy's four four and one mackie patolo we don't know a lot about him and he just made his ufc debut I, I think this is just volatile which is like i know for you matt you like that you know what mm -hmm. i mean you like fights that are volatile because it means there's leverage and that's what i see here all right. Well, then we are at the co-main. Yep, exactly. Uh, co-main, we got uh, Amari Akhmedov versus Chris Weidman. Uh, this is an awesome co-main. I think this makes uh, yet another solid fight target. Like I said, there's no lack of them on this card. Um, uh, there's just no shortage of them. And right off the rip, I'm leaning towards Weidman. A um, couple reasons. Now, 
let me preface this by saying Weidman uh, has lost one of his last or has won one of his last five fights, um, which just sounds horrendous saying it out loud. But there are some asterisks there. Um, all five losses, I mean, he's been fighting the best of the best. He was the UFC champion, so he's always in the mix of like a top three guy. He lost his losses are Yoel Romero, Jacare, Dominic Reyes, Gegard Mousasi, who is in Bellator now, but still could be the best middleweight in the world, and Luke Rockhold. I mean, it's Sands, uh, Gegard Mousasi, all those guys fought for UFC titles. You know what I mean? So this is... Uh, it's the best of the best, but he's also beaten just as impressive of a, uh, as a resume. You know what I mean? He not he beaten Loyola Machida, uh, Vitor Belfort, uh, Anderson Silva twice. You know what I mean? Like so, he's also beating the, those level guys too. So, the reason I like Weidman here, though, uh, the, the reasons are as follows: one, he's a better finisher by far. Okay, by far, and and uh, like Weidman, Omari has only lost by finish. Now. Like I said, both have lost by only by finish, so this fight is a good target. Um, but Weidman is a much better finisher, like I said, by far. Um, two, Omari hasn't fought a single elite person. Where Weidman, if you're going to talk actual elite people, he's fought double digits, 10-plus easily. His entire career, he's been fighting elite fighters. Um, three, the line keeps shifting, and it's actually uh, shifted in the favor of Weidman like, pretty heavily. Last mm-hmm. I checked, he was a minus 140. Yep, and, minus 140. Yeah, and at 8,000. Now he's 8,000 as a minus 140. And I kind of see it that way. I still like him as a favorite. Like I said, yeah, he's lost a ton. But if you only fight studs, and like, it, that's the thing in this sport. If you only fight studs and you're, say you're a B, like, say Weidman's a B-plus fighter now. And he's only fighting A's and A-minuses. Yeah, he's going to take a lot of losses. Say Amari's a B-minus fighter, but he's only fighting C's. He's got to look pretty good. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and that's what it is. You got to look at competition in the sport, like all sports, but especially in MMA. So, I do think this is a good fight to target overall. I'm, I'm thinking like 60% Weidman, 40% Amari, because Weidman can be finished. I he might be past his prime. He might he might just be not as great as he once was. He might have taken too much damage. He's been knocked out, I think, five times now. Um, he might get slept. But I do think this one ends in a finish, and I do think you want a piece of them. But like I said, maybe a little more Weidman for the price and the favoritism. Weidman at 31.2% and Amari at 17.8%. I think that's just reflective of the pricing. I think if it was the other – if it was flipped, then you would see a lot closer in the uh, than the ownership. Um, but again, I, I mean I'm looking up and down this card, and I don't like a single one of these core fighters. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. I think this is just volatility written all over it from a spectating standpoint. I'm very excited from a tournament perspective i'm very excited i don't even know if i want to play cash anymore i really don't so no, i mean I, I i hate to say it but i'm the same way I, I i wrote down i didn't write down any core plays for this at first <laughs> and i was like okay i have to put something yeah, down you have to get and then i down. wrote like i wrote weidman because of ownership and the price and just makes sense but in my head i'm like okay he can still get knocked out <laughs> like you know what I mean? like yeah very it's, easily i think so it's like I think our uh, Patreon members are going to be at your doorstep um, Sunday morning trying to yeah. break down your door or they're going to be sending you money. It, it's it's Ex- going to be one it, or the other. Exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it is not going to be, a, you know, oh, we, we did pretty well. It's going to be you went down in flames or you made a lot of money. Right. So hopefully it's the latter. Um, like I said, this is just this is a volatile card, but we like that. I mean, it leaves a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity to take down the sharks and the big fish. So. Um, we are setting up on. for the uh, main event here. Let's hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Main event. Um, 
This is the one I was asking you about earlier. Um, I've never been more confident in my life that a fight is going to end in a finish. I legit might, I was telling you, I might throw $700 or $675 on the finish chance just to win the 100 here. Um, it's a minus 675 finish chance, and I feel very confident in that. That is a crazy um, finish chance. Crazy finish chance, and I really think it, it lives up to it. If it doesn't end in a finish, I'm probably going to end up just backflipping headfirst <laughs> in the grand because I just don't see a world where this doesn't end in a finish. I mean, both guys, I mean, I'll break it down. Both guys, crazy good finishers, stupid good finishers. Even better yet, they're polar opposites. Alexi Olenek is a freak of a grappler. He's got the old man strength times 10. He just subs everyone, gets a hold of their neck, and puts them out, just makes them hate their lives. Sometimes it's just a neck crank. It's just too painful. He just is a freak grappler. Lewis, stupid power in his hands. Stupid power, like crazy knockout power, like you read about, you're born with it. No one can teach it to you. I mean, I think he started boxing in prison, just wasn't this, you know, elite prodigy child. He just was like, hey, I was born with ridiculous power. Um, like in Gano, he's just like one of those people. So, and the, and the best part is, they absolutely suck at what the other is good at. Mm-hmm. Alexi sucks at punching, and Lewis sucks at grappling. So, they both have a distinct wow. advantage in a, in a road to finish, okay? That's what I like to see. That's why it's a minus 675 finish chance. Now, it gets better, ready? These guys have 104 fights between them. 104 fights. How ridiculous is that? That is crazy. And, and ready? Ready for this? Neither has ever gone five rounds. Not oh, once. wow. Yeah. So, I mean, they have notoriously trash cardio. They're notoriously good finishers and good at getting finished. I mean, someone is going to die. If they don't, I will die. It's just, that's <laughs> it. I can't, I cannot expect anything else. I mean, you have to have a piece of this one. I think Lewis is the favorite, and I think he's, I mean, I slightly agree with that. I do. But Alexi is a live dog. Absolutely. He's, I mean, you could put him as a punt, you can put him wherever you want, but. I mean, both of these, you're going to need a piece of this for sure. Yeah, I mean, you convinced me. If I look at the percentage here, it looks like it has a 65, if I'm looking at this right, yeah, 65% chance to finish within the first three rounds. That might even be a little low. Yeah, I don't. I think it should be bigger. But regardless, I mean, that right there in itself is enough to convince me that this won't finish. um, It won't be, uh, it won't win by, it won't be a decision. Um, and also, this doesn't seem like a stacking type of fight, a main, a main <laughs> I, event. I was going to say, the last thing I actually forgot that I wrote down here, I forgot to say, is I go, for the love of God, do not stack this. Okay, so, you, okay so that makes sense. So, from a GPP perspective, you have to get a piece of this. It sounds like it will be in the optimal, regardless of whoever wins. But don't stain, or don't stain, don't stack the main event. Um, is is what I'm gathering from this. And that's not like your typical main event, which we usually do stack. For cash, mm-hmm. anyway. 100%. All right. So, uh, we broke down every single fight. Do you want to recap? Um, do you want to start with the core fight? Um, God forbid I, I'm putting you under Yeah, the I mean, there. I'll just say this. I think Lewis... What's Lewis's ownership looking like? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, 49% second highest yeah. on the okay. card. So, and Alexi yeah. at 27. So, that's okay, still perfect. pretty high. So, yeah. I Because I have Lewis. I, I, I didn't even have to hear that. I just go, Lewis is going to be highly owned. That's why he's my first core one. And there you go. Second highest. Uh, Holland I have there as the highest, mm-hmm. and then I have Weidman for a very high-owned, low-price guy. I mean, but again, they're all core, and they all make sense in GPP. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just tough. I know they're going to be highly owned, but again, I think Lewis and Holland have a really good chance to make it that optimal. 
I really do. Um, and then GPP plays, I mean, take your pick. We got Tucker versus Janes, both strong finishers, basically a toss-up, though we do like Tucker's uh, ownership a little more. Uh, Nazrat, good power, welcomes a UFC newcomer, always a live dog. Um, we got the fight of Means and Staropoli, solid finish chance, and, and definitely could be a make or break, as we talked about. Uh, Patolo versus Stewart, they both like to stand and trade. Pretty good finish chance, minus 155, I believe. Solid target. Um, Omari versus Weidman, um, much more lower ownership than Weidman. Weidman has uh, been finished five times, so definitely could be a make or break fight, uh, as Weidman's pretty good too. Um, and then Olenek and Lewis, as we just talked about, stupid finish chance. There's no way it doesn't live up to that. I just would be shocked. If it does, just roast me forever because then I just don't know anything. Um, but then moving on to our punts in, in, in cash games, if you want to take Holtzman with the ownership and his being a real chance to win, makes sense, but not in GPP. Uh, other than that, we got uh, Julius Soliarenko. Uh, like I said, good grappling ability and that's where Yana can be beat. So I think that's a solid option there. Whatever, I think she's 7,400, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, 7,400. And then my favorite punt is Alex Munoz, just because I think he's a really good fighter. Um, I think in Nazareth can be beat. So I think I have really nothing else to add here other than when we did that red light, yellow light, green light process, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago. I yeah. think you could pretty much pin... All of these, except for what the very first fight on the night, as a green. <laughs> I mean, it seems yeah, like at this I mean, point, aside from Sanchez and Terman, which is uh, oh, yeah, the fourth yeah. fight on the card or something, and then yeah, the first one, Erwin Rivera, which is versus Al Ali Al Kaisi. I mean, those ones. I mean, even that one is okay. The only one I'd be like definitely red flag would probably be Sanchez and Terman. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think we've, I mean, we've talked about this card enough. I, I feel like this is a good stopping point. We're coming up on an hour, so we just got carried away talking about yeah. last last uh, weekend's recap and then all these fights. I'm definitely excited. If you if you want to watch somebody die or multiple people die, <laughs> tune in tomorrow is what it sounds like. Um, it's definitely going to be a, a, a blast from a spectating standpoint, from a DFS perspective. If you guys have any questions, feel free to ask them in the YouTube comment section below. We try to monitor those throughout the morning. Um, throughout the rest of the night today. Um, and uh, with all that being said, guys, have a great rest of your weekend, and let's cash.